Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, excuse me, what's today's chef special? Welcome to Chef Special, the podcast that brings you the world of food and beverage with facts and information that challenge the status quo. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell, with Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, your best food destination choice. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. I'm super excited to have a guest with me that's very special. I I actually spoke to him last week and I said, I would really like to have you on the show. And I, he said, the only way you could have me on the show is if you could come out and uh, beat me on basketball on the court. And I said, oh, no, 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 because I know who you are. The gentleman's name is Casey Thomas and he's the athletic performance dietitian at UCLA. How are you doing, Casey? Doing well, thank you, Patrick. I'm really excited to be here and uh, you know, discuss some nutrition topics with you. Sounds great, sounds great. Now, before we start, I wanna mention a couple people said, wow, you're gonna have a, you know, a performance dietitian, the sports side, and, and you're, you're a chef and you have chefs come on sometimes. And I said, yeah, I, it, I think it's super important to me to um, kind of showcase athletics mixed with nutrition. I used to, many years ago, I was involved in track and football and everything. And way back when we weren't, I don't think as uh, knowledgeable, we didn't have as much, you know, maybe great information as our, at our fingertips. We didn't have people like you, Casey, especially the local <laughs> high school, like Newport Harbor High School, to, to come and, and give us some tips. So it's exciting um, to have you speak about things in performance. But on a side note, it's uh, kind of selfish. I did want to speak, we'll talk a bit later, about uh, some ideas on menus. I have chefs, friends that do healthy menu options on some of their new menus. So that's another reason why I wanted to talk to you, because you have a really deep, deep history in that. So yeah, so so let's get started. Why don't you have, if you can, maybe describe a little bit about your position at uh, UCLA. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I am a performance dietitian at UCLA, working in the athletics department. This is a little bit different from other dietitians. Normally, we're trained to be working in the hospital or in food service. And so really my main goal is to use nutrition to see how I can help out the athletes with their performance. And not too long ago, this was almost an unheard of role. And so to your, to your point about, uh, you know, the changing history of the field, um, it really, you know, a lot of jobs opened up at the collegiate setting when we had the food de deregulation that came about not too long ago. Um, and so now with that, you know, uh, we didn't want to have unfair sport. And so dietitian jobs have been popping up. Um, and really what I do is I, I try to make sure that the athletes have um, not only the education, but also fuel. Um, you know, I like to consider food as fuel for, for the athletes. Um, so we will directly provide a lot of food items to the athletes at strategic time points um, to enhance their training adaptations. Um, really our, our main goal as a, as a performance dietitian is to allow the athletes to train at their desired intensity, frequency, and duration. And if we can allow them to do that, we can, you know, make sure that the, the coach can, uh, be happy and get all the adaptations that they, that they want out of their athletes. Um, so that's, that's kind of what, what I do there at, gotcha, at UCLA. Gotcha. That sounds fantastic. So you have, I know at UCLA, which is, by the way, is, is an amazing university, um, I have a cousin that it was always his favorite, even though he went to Long Beach State. <laughs> he always went to UCLA. <laughs> but uh, 
I'm wondering with all the different sports, you know, you have uh, football, uh, basketball, baseball, soccer, tennis, et cetera. You, you can really get pulled in a million different directions. And, and I understand that you, they've really uh, have a kind of a new program uh, or a more developed program at UCLA in the basketball side. And you're able to work uh, more specifically to that. Right. Yeah. So um, absolutely right. A lot of dietitians are pulled in a lot of different ways. And so formerly I was working with about half of our student athletes um, on the Olympic sports side. And, you know, that was, gosh, that was, you know, one dietitian for, for several hundred athletes. And if I was to give <laughs> any wow. of them, if I was to give them, you know, five minutes of my time, my work week would be, you know, hundred hours off of just that alone. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. So it, it, um, it's, it's tough. And a lot of dietitians are, are in kind of that situation right now um, at the collegiate level. And it's a, uh, it's a very tough and, you know, demanding position to be in. Um, and so I'm very fortunate just recently uh, this last year to um, be able to work exclusively with the men and women basketball program here at UCLA. Hmm. Um, as far as we know, I'm the only dietitian doing that in the entire nation. Um, all of my dietitian buddies at other campuses report that they usually have a dietitian working with basketball plus maybe football or basketball plus some other sports. Um, so me able to work with just this, these two teams allows me to really give individualized programming to each of those athletes, which, which I love doing. That's, that's kind of what gets me going. <laughs> that's amazing. So why, why uh, if you can tell me, why did they go that, did they decide at UCLA, you know, that they really wanted to have somebody really concentrate to somebody with your, your background um, to help the men's and women's basketball teams. Now, UCLA is of course, very, you know, storied history in basketball, probably the number one program uh, collegiate uh, program in history, I think. Um, so I could see that they'd want to get kicking, really get it going. So uh, this this next season coming up. So how did that come come about? There was a few factors that kind of went into that, and I was working with the men's basketball team previously, and I, I just love the sport. So I, I kind of found myself working with that team. Um, I'm not saying I, I neglected my other teams, but I work with that team a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I really got to know the players and I kind of just fell in love working with them. And, and they, they saw that and I developed these really good relationship with the players. And um, we had a new, we had a coach transition on the men's side and the new head coach, he came in uh, coach Cronin. He's been doing really great with the team and, you know, it's been really great for the program and he wanted to adopt kind of like an NBA model um, where we had, you know, a really uh, a core unit of performance uh, staff who was there for the athletes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really this, uh, you know, I, I kind of owe him all the thanks um, uh, as well as coach Corey Close, who's the, the women's basketball head coach. Um, she, she was looking to make a move. Um, you know, they've, the women's basketball program has been amazing um, at UCLA as well. And so both of these coaches, you know, they, they wanted to get that individualized program and to try to take their teams to the next level. Um, so really they're, they're watching out for the athletes. And I think, you know, it's kind of a testament to the, the culture around nutrition in the last, you know, few years, just that these coaches, you know, I, I feel honored that they wanted to do this. And I think it shows the value that we have. Definitely. So, so I'm thinking, I know that I would, I've read that there's, you know, sports specific nutritional uh, 
uh, programs that can be put together. But you, I'm just imagining you standing in front of the basketball team and they're looking at you and you look there, you've got the guards on one side, you've got some <laughs> forwards, power forward, you've got the center um, on the men and women's team. And you're going, huh, different body types, you know, different position playing, different, some, maybe some of them, like some of the guards are, are you know, streaking down the, they're all running all the time, but they probably have uh, more position specific needs with respect to nutrition. Do you go over it individually with them or with the coach or how does that work? Yeah. And it's even more, a little bit more nuanced than that, but that's, that's a great, you know, observation um, is so within a team, each role has something different. Um, and it kind of comes down to what the coach wants, I guess. Um, so I'll, I'll speak to the head coach, you know, or, you know, the assistant coach or who, whoever I need to talk to about this. And I'll say, how many minutes do you want this player to actually be, you know, going? And so from that, you know, we find out, okay, we want this player to be, to give us 10 quality minutes, or we want this person to give us a full 40 minutes. Um, and so that's going to, going to structure our programming. So I'll talk to the strength coach um, and we'll, we'll kind of work together. It's a very collaborative uh, plan. I need information from all those people and I try to work with them so that way I can play off what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes as an example, we have, uh, you know, a big or, you know, someone who's like in the center position mm -hmm. and they, you know, they can only play for two quality minutes when they're walking in, you know, and it's, that's, that's not a good, mm -hmm. good spot to be in if we're expecting them to play 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes. Um, and so I have to work with the strength coach to try to boost that, that player's endurance capacity. Wow. Um, it, it could be that they're overweight maybe um it could be uh, just a cardiorespiratory thing um but in either case we can do something on the nutrition side and on, on the flip side you know if you if you have someone who's going to be getting a lot of minutes and you know they need to be uh, more shifty they need to have better speed or sprint capacity uh there's nutritional tools in the tool bag for for that as well so it's really what's the goal of this athlete what's going to make this athlete perform better at their specific task that's and, that's amazing. Yeah. That's that sounds perfect. So, um, how do you, how are the goals or results measured? So you say, you know, the coach approaches you say, you know, this particular center, let's say they they get gassed, you know, after about you know you know five six minutes, we need a little more endurance. You work with a different coach, a strength coach, you know, uh, some of the other ones as well. But once you put them on a particular program, then you probably start reviewing. I'm assuming, you know, what you've started giving them and how do you determine if it's working and, and what, what are your expectations? Yeah, there's, there's several ways to do it. And this is an issue that uh, a lot of performance dietitians run into, I think, is how to quantify their, their intervention and, mm -hmm. you know, what they've actually accomplished. Um, I have a couple ways that I do it. So one of the ways is to just piggyback off of whatever the strength coach is doing. So for example, there might be like a conditioning circuit or conditioning test uh, that, you know, they might have to have a certain mile time or a certain, you know, there and back sprint time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we'll do that performance test on say week zero or week one. And then I'll work with them. I'll give them like updated nutrition, you know, education and provisions. And in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll retest them and we'll see where they're at. And that way it's directly linked to this performance test that they, that they really like. Gotcha. Um, on the, on the other side, yeah, on the other side though, we might do something like uh, I'll do repeat body composition tests. Um, if it's a clinical case, I might do repeat lab work. Um, one of the ways that I found has been really helpful is if I just ask the athletes directly, like, 
hey, you were feeling this way. How do you feel now? Um, you were this, you rated you um, as having this amount of energy after this practice. And now after the nutrition intervention, you feel like you have a lot more energy or fatigue levels. Um, just kind of uh, qu uh, questionnaires like that, I guess. And I'll, I'll have them rank it on like a zero to 10 scale and then I'll quantify it that way. You know, it's interesting when you bring that up because I, I look back a, a bit on your uh, your history and you've got some great schooling um, uh, background. In fact, you had uh, you've you've done some. I, I think you have a master's. You have different different areas that you've studied that would really help the position you have now, including I think um, I don't know if it's psychiatric or psychology or some <laughs> different. Type. I, you tell me. But I'm just imagining all your background, you know, in nutrition. And, but you, when you said that you speak to the, uh, to the athletes to really see how they're feeling, you probably are really good at that too, the communication uh, part of it. I, I try to be, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I think there's, there's always room for improvement and, um, you know, I, I try to be, um, but I definitely do pull a lot of, uh, you know, my ideas for, for testing protocols and, you know, quantifying the metrics and all that kind of stuff. Um, from my background in research. Um, I used to work okay. in clinical research for, for five years. And, um, and before that, you're right, I, I was a neurobiology major. Um, That's what I was, so, I was trying to remember how do you say that? You just said it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So it's neurobiology major. There was, a, there was a time when I was pre-med and I was going to be a, a brain and spinal surgeon. Uh, that was the, the end, end game plan there. Mm. <laughs> um, and I... I do rely on that knowledge a lot, actually, because at the elite level, I have realized that it's usually not um, at the physical capacity that's mm -hmm. holding someone back. You know, it's not like their lungs that are kind of holding them back um, or their heart. It's usually something that's on the, the neurological side of things like, you know, how fast is your reaction time? Uh, how quick can you make this like decision that you're going to pass left instead of pass right? Um, these like little nuanced things with the brain um, kind of fascinate me. And I think that at the elite level, it's more pronounced. And uh, I, I love seeing the connection between the brain and nutrition um, and also performance. Um, and uh, I think wow. that, that that has helped me out a little bit with, with my recommendations for, for athletes. I was going to say that that sounds huge in, in the, uh, what it played, the role it played in them choosing you to, to really concentrate on this because you can really work with the trainers, the physical trainers too, um, and all that, because it's, they may not have the same background you have, uh, but so you can share ideas rather, not just nutrition, but how, you know, everything, metabolism, the, you know, how the body reacts. Uh, you just mentioned, I think, neurotransmitters or something like that. And yeah, <laughs> it's pretty yeah, awesome. I, I think um, my background does help me have those kind of conversations. But uh, one thing I've learned in, this, in athletics is uh, to try to stay in your lane. <laughs> um, <laughs> So gotcha. I, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's if, safe. safe. If they're the expert in it, then, you know, I let them come up with the plan and I try to work with, with them and, uh, you know, but I definitely enjoy having these kind of conversations with them. And I think it's definitely spawned a lot of interesting, um, new protocols, I, I would say. Got you. Got you. Now we spoke a little bit again, uh, last week and, um, you had some interesting ideas. I mentioned that, you know, in sports for, for young, for kids, now that we'll get up, get away from the college for just a moment. Um, you know, sure. everybody that played there probably played all, you know, some their whole life going through school. Um, so you have the uh, club type player that plays, you know, really, really serious with the family that takes them to all the away games when they're little uh, growing right. up as also as well as the rec players and you know, the recreational players. Um, what 
it's different now. What, what do they have available to them uh, for parents that really want to give their kids, you know, the best, you know, not just taking them to a baseball practice or football or basketball or, or track, but also, you know, helping them understand their nutrition needs. Is there, are there programs available for something like that now, or how would you help them? It's, it's interesting. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there. And at the same time, it, it kind of feels like there, there's not a lot out there for, mm-hmm. for youth athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, um, there's, there's a shocking trend on the rise with, you know, um, injury rates and things like that um, due to mismanagement of uh, programming at the young age. Mm. Um, there's a lot of data on, you know, how soon should you specialize, you know, should you all only be playing, you know, baseball since, since you're five years old, or should you wait and, you know, play a bunch of different sports and then, and then specialize. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot there and there's, there's some academies out there who, who work to try to take kind of a holistic approach with regards to, you know, wellness and strength and conditioning and, uh, skill-based and all of that. Um, but it, it kind of depends on the age group, I would say. Um, if, if you're just asking for my, my opinion, yep. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, um, if you're really young, I think there's, there's no point in, in specializing in sports. And so um, going back to the baseball example, we're seeing, uh, you know, a shocking number of, uh, you know, elbow injuries. Um, and I think that's just because a lot of people are starting so young and they put so much wear and tear on, on these, you know, connective tissues and, and joints um, that by the time they get to college, they just blow it out. And uh, usually if you start a little bit later, it helps mm-hmm. out. I've, I've noticed. Yeah. It makes um, sense. And I, I think about the kids who, when I was younger pitching and they're, you know, eight or nine years old trying to throw a big hook curveball, I'm, And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, what does that do to their elbow? You know? And, can they pitch later or are they going to just, you know, hurt it when they're younger? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think just being mindful about that and trying to push, you know, a developing body too hard, too fast. Um, I know a lot of, uh, parents are, you know, very gung ho. They're like, my kid's going to be an Olympian and all-star and all this and that. Exactly. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. I, know, there's uh, a, there's a, there's a local, um, um, it's a baseball a diamond and, and on the outside of the cage, it's, there's a saying that says something like to all the parents out there, you know, let your kids enjoy the game and uh, they probably won't be a professional, you know, ease up on them, something to that effect. And you feel, you know, it's kind of great that, you know, the parents these days are following the kids and giving them, they really want to help. But yeah, I think sometimes it's nice for the kid, just let them be a kid for a while. So what age would you say, is a good age for them to start maybe turning the corner from being super wreck. And if they're really into it and they like a particular sport, get more serious, you know, like 10, 11, nine. Yeah. I, I think it, it kind of depends a little bit on the sport. So, I mean, if you're talking like tennis, right, you can compete pretty early um, versus, you know, some other sports where you, you can't compete till later. Um, but in general, I would say it's safe to start, going a look i mean i'm I'm talking after you've already chosen your sport i think it's you can start really taking uh you know more serious measures with your programming and protocols and nutrition and all that kind of stuff uh probably in the high school age group i would say is a little bit on the safer side i don't think you know if you're in elementary school i don't really think there's a reason to be doing that gotcha. um, like powerlifting when you're nine years old no nah, no nah. yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> think you should be doing that personally <laughs> 
Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, high school, like if, if you're looking, I mean, cause you got to impress the, I mean, it's, it's a recruiting game now, right? So mm-hmm. you got to impress the recruits. You got to impress the, the colleges that are looking for your scholarships and, and all this and that. So, um, you know, early, early high school, maybe late middle school is kind of where you're looking to really start, start, start things uh, going. Got you. Got you. Now I have a question for you. This is uh this has been asked uh, of me recently. I have a, a, a very good friend, Chef Kyung Soo Carroll, who is the executive chef from um, Fashion Island, Newport Beach Hotel. And he was one of the guests uh, recently. And so I, I'll be honest, I called him. I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I've got Casey Thomas. He's going to be on today. And I need, I do have a question for him because, you know, chefs are developing menus all the time. They have these seasonal menus or they have, you know, one restaurant needs to be something changed, changed up a bit, or they have a new banquet menu, or they do a new menu for another, you know, customer coming in. But I said, what would you ask Casey um, with respect to maybe developing a healthy kind of choice option in a menu? And it's, so he said, wow, he said, just last week for a month prior, um, they had at mm-hmm. his property, the Colorado Rapids uh, soccer team. Uh, their training in, in, I guess, training camp. And he said that he, he went out to the buffet because he's in charge of, you know, the food. And, he's, and he's see, he saw this one gentleman and it turns out he was the uh, trainer or no, the nutritionist for the team, probably dietitianist, mm-hmm. dietitian. And <laughs> sorry. And um, he said, so let's look at these foods. And the, the gentleman turned to him and he saw that he had a real interest as a chef because he does. So they reviewed, you know, the carbs that they had out. They reviewed some of the proteins. And he said, you know, he wishes that he had had a chance to um, meet or speak with this gentleman prior to them coming out because he could have worked on some foods that that dietitian would have liked to have seen there. And he didn't have that opportunity. So he kind of started from that point. So he said, he asked the dietitian, he said, so what would you like to see for the coming day? So they sat down and put something together. But at the same time, uh, he wanted me to ask you, he says, how do you put a complex carb into a, a salad? What would you recommend? He says, if, could we have a salad bar? What about complex carbs? What do you do? Sure. Um, so in a salad bar, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's in a salad bar is typically what I would call complex already. Um, uh-huh. You know, so our simple carbs are things that are more like rice, uh, potatoes that are absorbed really quickly, but our complex carbs are stuff that are absorbed a little bit slower. So uh, technically, a lot of the fiber foods that you see in a salad bar kind of are those complex carbohydrates, but I think maybe what he's getting at is uh, something with a little bit more digestible carbs. So maybe, okay. yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe um, in a salad bar, I like to throw some, some fruit on top sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also do like a, like a chickpea salad uh, or, or lentils. Um, those are all some good complex carbs. Uh, but I think, I think sometimes, some of the athletes that I've worked with, at least they, they like, you know, strawberries um, in their salads, things like that. Okay. So <laughs> let me ask you another question. Let's say that uh, Chef Kyung gives you a call because um, I believe that you've helped chefs out in the past um, yeah. work on their menus. So if he calls us, look at, I'm doing a, a healthy menu section. I'm, I have a four page menu and I want to have one page that kind of talks uh, more on the healthy side. Do you have any thoughts on how you'd approach that page or what you'd like to see on it? if it could be lunch or dinner or, or just whatever. Yeah. Um, in general. So let me, let me take one quick step back though and just say, okay. um, I, I love that he's asking these questions because the first thing I do whenever my teams are on the road or anything is I, I try to contact whoever's in charge at the, you know, at the hotel or whatever. Perfect. 
Um, and I, I've had, been in situations where it's like, I'm bringing a blender and I'm like, can you just give me an outlet? Like, so I can, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. So with regards to, to healthy, um, I think it kind of, so if I, if I'm allowed to make it, then I'm going to pick and choose whatever I know my particular team wants, um, and you know, what they're, what they're craving. Um, but if they have their own theme, so like, I don't know if he's running like an, a, American or, you know, Mexican, Italian or anything. Yes. Combinations, um, but that's a good question. Yeah. I'll ask him. Yeah. Okay. So, so my, my general tip though, and this is what I tell my athletes is to try to find something on the menu where you can try to make it look like the plates that I tell them are good for them. Hmm. And so what I, what I mean by that is, uh, we, we have, um, as just an example, we have this thing that we call athlete plate mm-hmm. and here's how you kind of visualize it. So you, you imagine a full circle in front of you, which is your imaginary plate. And let's say you draw a line straight up and down, down the middle, um, half that plate, I want to be vegetable fruits and vegetables, a quarter of that plate. I want to be protein, lean protein, preferably. Mm-hmm. And then the other quarter of the plate, I want that to be like your starchy carbs. And so that would be like a, a rest day kind of plate. Wow. And I would scale that, scale the ratios on that based off of how intense their workout was hmm. um, or intense their training was. And well, let me ask you a question, a quick interruption. Yeah. So yeah. if you have a football team mm-hmm. and you have the lineman that's got that round plate, his, maybe his plate round, it looks like a pizza size, you know, and then yeah. you, have, <laughs> you have somebody else with a nine or 10 inch plate. Would you... Do you adjust that percentage, you know, quarter, quarter, half, half, a little bit for the, for the lineman versus maybe the quarterback or, you know, you don't want, you know, depending, uh, you know, also to probably when the game is going to be played. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of nuance in here that we could kind of go into if you, if you really want to go deep. Um, <laughs> the, what, I'm, what I'm giving you is a, a, a definitely a drastic oversimplification of what I, but I love it. I'm going to, in fact, I, I made a note on that because that you mentioned it's a simplification, you know, for the standard simplification for, you know, like a, a menu. I think that's worth a thousand dollars, that quick point. And I'm going to send it to you, right? No, never mind. Um, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great, uh, and I'm going to use that at home. That's how perfect that is for me. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's the good idea, which um, generally I'm the one who's providing the, the meals and I can, you know, stand with them on the buffet line and be like, put this on your plate, put that on your plate, put that on your plate. And I can, you know, check their, check their plates and make sure they're getting what they specifically need. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're on their own and so for, for menu uh, creation, um, what I tell people when they're on their own is you need to find a place where you can get just a pure piece of protein and then you kind of build your place around that. So you get a pure piece of protein, you pick your starch and then you add some veg and you're basically going to be in a good spot. So when we're working with um, hotel caterers, sometimes they'll ask me what kind of spread they want for for the athletes. Um, and usually this is my go-to recommendation, um, which is kind of what we do for, for our training tables. Or uh, training tables are just like, you know, uh, food incidental to participation. So like a post-workout meal or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when when the chefs at the, the hotel, you know, sometimes I'll contact them and I'll uh, – as a minimum, I like to see that there's two different types of protein. Um, I try to get at least one. Um, in general, I'll try to get one seafood and one not. Um, I generally stay on the leaner side. Um, so I might get like a, like a chicken or turkey and then maybe a salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have two carbs. So I'll do 
you know, rice, pasta, potatoes, uh, sweet potatoes. Those are a big hit always. Um, you know, any, anything like that. And then, and then, um, two, two greens and usually I'll do one hot and one cold. So like one, you know, pan of sauteed green beans and then like a salad bar, something like that. So, hmm. uh, two proteins, two carbs, two greens. That's kind of the general template that we follow. And I try to, you know, that way all the athletes are happy and they have some options for, for everything, you know, for, for menu development, I, I might talk to a chef and I say, Hey, can you just give me like a salmon filet with, you know, a little bit of rice and, uh, like a side salad or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so keeping it kind of modular where they can pick, you know, they have a protein option, they have some starch option, and then they have some veg option. Got you. Got you. Now let me ask you about a game. Let's say it's game day. Uh, cause I'm yes. curious. So I'm, I'm getting ready to watch the game. So let's say it's a UCLA <laughs> basketball game playing against, I don't know, their, their friends from USC, something like that. <laughs> Just kidding. So they're getting ready to play. And let's say the game is at, I don't know, what is it? One or 2 PM, whenever they have the game or what do they eat that day in the morning? And, and how, how, you know, how much time do you want before they play? Um, just as an example, I know it, could, it all varies, but what would a standard timing be on something like that? It's pretty standard to do your pregame meal about four hours before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say they're competing at one, that would be uh, nine in the morning. So we're looking at like a breakfast meal. Um, for basketball, it's usually a little bit later. So it's typically more like a lunch slash dinner kind of meal. And then they have the later game. But um, in that example, four hours is a pretty decent amount of time where they can almost eat anything and your body has a decent amount of time to digest it. And you can kind of trust the athlete to know, you know, how much is too much for them to eat at a four hour uh, time point. If you're at three hours before, which some, some teams do, and if it's like a morning competition, you're kind of forced to do that because no one wants to come in at, you know, five in the morning. Uh, and so in that case, it has to be a little bit smaller, but the, the keys to the pregame meal are, um, you really want to make sure that there is some simple carbs. So I'm a big fan of, uh, like a clean pasta or some rice, uh, some, some potatoes, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you want to have some lean protein, uh, fat. Uh, fatty foods have been shown to slow down gastric motility and can cause upset stomach in some people. Hmm. So we try to limit, limit that. And I'm not saying vegetables are bad. Um, but I have run into some scenarios where some athletes really love having the vegetables right before. Um, and that can be a problem because the fiber does slow down gastric motility as well. So, um, really emphasizing mainly the the lean protein and the carbs at that pregame meal and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the the two big things that you really want to m- make sure you're checking that box gotcha. Um, gotcha. Past, wow. yeah and past that it's the the fluids um just making sure that they're topped off there and not gonna because that's one of the biggest impacts on basketball performance at least but many sports as well understood <laughs> so one last question from kyung he said well if when you've got him with you um ask him how has a healthy eating food pyramid changed over the years? You know, the one that we learn about when we're a kid, uh, the pyramid, the right food. Is it changed over, say, the last five, ten years? Because we look at carbs so differently now. You know, everything's so different. The approach. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a loaded question. <laughs> um, it is. I just let me cock the gun again. Oop, do you know what? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so the the food guidelines have changed a lot, um, and I I kind of I don't really blame the public for being confused about their nutrition, just because you know they're looking at us, we're coming up with new guidelines all the time. This scientist says that, that news station says this, um, and the internet says something entirely different. So um, it's it's just uh, it's hard to find credible information and. One thing that I'll say about the food guidelines that are posted by the government of USA, because um, different countries have different food guidelines. Each one, each country has their own kind of like food pyramid or food system or whatever they're using. And it's actually interesting to see how, how it differs between different countries. Um, but the American one for athletes, I don't think it really works out too much. Um, there's a lot of political moves behind the the food pyramid and the the uh, you know the food plate and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of uh, lobbyists who are pushing for their products on there. Um, but I would say, as a general rule, they're actually not terrible. Um, I don't think they're optimal, but I think that they can work. And I think that if you did like a cross section of America, or this has actually already been done, when you do a cross section of America. Um, the majority of Americans are not doing even what the, the government guidelines are. And I consider those in my world, I consider the government guidelines a little bit suboptimal uh, for what I'm dealing with. Um, but I think for general populations to step up and if the general population was going to try to start matching those guidelines, I think that it would be a positive move for public health. Gotcha. Um, yeah. All right. Well, and, okay. So I have some, one last little, bit of things to go over with you before I let you get back to work. Cause I know you, you're at UCLA today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and you've already had a pretty full day. So I really appreciate your time uh, today, but I'm going to imagine that Casey's at home and he's going to make himself a smoothie, a fruit smoothie. What do you throw in your smoothie at home? Let's see. I have you're a healthy guy. I've seen photos. You look like you're ready to play on the team. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love practicing when I preach. <laughs> um, and I, I am pretty tall too. I'm, uh, I've, I can, you know, I can, I can, I can play a little hoops. Um, I bet you can. That's why I didn't want to take up your challenge. <laughs> uh, all right. So I have, I have two smoothies. Actually I have three smoothies that I, I personally like, which are a little bit different. Um, one that I really like, which is good for uh, kind of like, a tough workout or maybe it was like a breakfast smoothie, I guess, cause it's got a high, relatively high carb content in it. Mm -hmm. I will do, it's about a cup of OJ, um, a big scoop of just nonfat Greek yogurt, um, about a handful of mangoes and pineapples, a mm -hmm. uh, couple handfuls of frozen spinach. And then I'll throw in just a tiny bit of unflavored protein powder. Wow. And I'll mix that up. It's got some good anti-inflammatories in it from the pineapple. Um, the, the Greek yogurt is always helpful. Um, the spinach, get some greens in there. Uh, I think it tastes like a tropical smoothie and it's, it's amazing. Gets my protein, awesome. gets my carbs. <laughs> if Take you hear a whirring in the background, uh, Casey, it's cause I'm mixing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, but some, some other uh, variations that I like to do, I mean, chocolate, banana peanut butter is always always uh popular mm -hmm. um some things that i like to throw in i like to throw in oats sometime into my smoothie mm -hmm. um which i don't see a lot of people do that but um, i like throwing in oat, just uncooked oats in there i think i, I love oatmeal so throwing mm -hmm. that in there's kind of nice yeah. yeah and then sometimes 
uh, I might get like some goji or um, acai powder and I'll throw that in there too, just for a little extra. What about acai? Do you think that's, I mean, it has some great properties that I've read about. Is it truly, truly amazing health type way? I don't think it's worth its price point currently. Yeah, <laughs> if I was to put it that way, <laughs> it is kind of expensive. Um, it's kind of like the kale thing, you know, or, or what was it, Domino's or uh, round table pizza. And mm -hmm. now it's now it's like a health craze. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's good for you, um, certainly. Like acai is certainly good for you, but um, I think its health claims are overstated. <laughs> Got you. It's like, yeah. an, I think it's supposed to be a good an antioxidant, probably a lot of vitamin C and, but you could probably get that from other things that don't cost quite as much, I would think. Yeah, you can get a very similar efficacy um, on the antioxidant side with just like blueberries. Um, so it, you don't, you don't have to go acai. I think acai is, brings an interesting flavor to it though. So, um, you know, if you, if you like it, go for it, but maybe a little uh, bit overpriced. Right very now. popular <laughs> in Brazil. My wife, uh, Sonia, is from Brazil. So, uh, yeah, I know it's very popular there. <laughs> so, what, what, I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what kind of what kind of food do you get from, from Brazil? It seems like maybe she's making you some special dishes or anything. You know, it's that's interesting because in Brazil, kind of like Cuba and a couple other, you know, South American countries, they're heavy, heavy in, in black beans and, and rice. That's mm -hmm. kind of their go-to. But she's really great at, at chicken, a variety of her soups are killer. She just okay. kicks in, like I'll make a th what I think is a pretty good soup. And then I see her sneaking around with mint and cilantro and all these things. And she drops it Ooh. in there and I, I can never duplicate it. So she's really different than a lot of Brazilians don't, I don't think quite use as much, you know, spicing. They do like fashuada and the barbecue. And it's not necessarily, I think, a, um, um, like a deep menu, if you were to have a Brazilian menu, in my opinion. But she sure mm. knows how to make things taste great. But I do, to be honest, I do most of the cooking at home. Even though I'm a pastry chef, I love to cook. So, yeah, I love it. I know. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. So, for you, Casey, for you, for the next, you're still young. You're really young. You know, I, I, I was checking you out online. I said, what the heck? How'd this guy get this position? He started at uh, 10 years in college or something. But <laughs> what, are your, <laughs> what are your goals for the future? I mean, it's a simple question. But in other words, where do you see yourself 20 years from now? And then what, what do you do to get there? 20 years from now, I, I mean, I really love what really gets me going is taking a bit of, you know, scientific research and translating it into someone being able to hit their goals. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't really like the, the clinical side of nutrition just because it was, it was just kind of depressing. I take, I take it home. I ran into a guy who, um, this is, you know, kind of a sad story. He was in the hospital for uncontrolled diabetes. And he had just had his foot amputated Oh, geez. because of it, because of the diabetes. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was chugging close to over a gallon of the McDonald's, uh, just Coke every day. Hmm. And he would buy it like four, he'd have like a refillable container and you go back like four times a day and he'd drink oh. it. And, and I, and I, I asked him, I said, like, are you willing to switch out, you know, baby steps, switch out like one of those, uh, to, to just like a diet soda. And he said, I would rather lose my foot, my other foot than, than cut any of my soda. And so, you know, I was just like, what, what do you do with this? You know? Um, and so that, that kind of depressed me, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, so wow. I, mean, I, I like, I like it when people 
are just trying to be better versions of themselves on the performance side, um, whether that's cognitive or, or physical and using nutrition to help out. And to that end, um, you know, I'm an, I'm an instructor at, at UCLA. Um, I teach the exercise and sports nutrition class. And then I also head up um, our education sessions for our interns. Wow. Um, I think in the future, I would really like to, I think that you have a, a very, like a multiplier effect when you're, when you're an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be nice to do some uh, more consulting for, you know, businesses and programs at co- colleges and, you know, professional places. Um, and just try to, you know, educate maybe other dietitians or other chefs or, um, these other people who are involved in the field about how they can, uh, really take some truly science-based, you know, performance recommendations and, and apply it at the, at the ground level. Cause I, I was going to ask do, you, I was going to real quick, I was going to ask you, I'm going to recruit you. I have a, quite a few uh, friends that are chefs and restaurants, hotels, casinos. So you would be open to doing some consulting on menus? Oh yeah, I, I do that already. <laughs> okay, I knew you did some, but uh, okay, because you might get uh, you might get a few calls, or, or I'll be referring some people because I think that what you have to offer is huge. Because we look at menus quite often, and we try to fit our product into the menus with our customers. But they they're all you know we're all going the, even our owners are really trying to go healthier on the even the bread side and things that normally you don't think of being that healthy. So that would be a great help, and good to know that you're open to that. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's what the, you know, you guys are doing the tough work, right? I mean, like you're creating the menus and you're actually putting the food out there. Um, I'm just telling people what to eat. Right. <laughs> uh, so you got, you guys are actually doing the, the hard work. Um, but I, I think that when you can apply the science and, and make it actually be beneficial and you can pair that with someone like you guys who can actually make the science taste good, <laughs> um, then, then you have something that's really, um, you know, really, really, uh, really magical there. Like you can actually help people, you know, change their lives really. Well, you know, but, but if you were to consult, I know that you would talk a lot about portion sizes, what you did, like when you did the graph on the, on the, you know, circle for mm-hmm. the, and it, and you would help, I think, I would think direct and what percent if somebody gets a plate, they look down, they look at, you know, what they have in a piece of chicken, how many ounces, you know, everything is measured now. Everything is yeah. costed out. So that would be really very helpful. So that's good to know. That's good to know. Now, let me ask you one last question before I let you go. I know I told you I'd let you go 10 minutes ago, but it's oh, I love it. what you're no. saying. I love this. So yeah, we can keep talking for hours if you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Well, you, you'll be on another show if you don't mind. I'm going to bug you. So I, I, I'll get some more <laughs> questions for you from some of the people in the industry. <laughs> Is there anything that we didn't cover um, that you'd like to, to say or, or to speak about, speak to right now? Um, I think we did kind of cover a lot of the stuff that, that I think is really important, um, with that. I think that, you know, with, with your listener base, you know, the people who are more on the the chef side, um, finding that intersection between where, you know, palatability hits, you know, uh, like actually nutrition beneficial, I think there's there's compromises that that happen sometimes, you know, because you want it to taste good because if it doesn't taste good, the people don't need it. Um, and I, I really do think that um, that's kind of the way of the future a little bit is, is you know, we are becoming more health conscious, um, especially, I mean, I, I live in LA, so we definitely, you know, pick up trends and fads really quick and, yep. uh, you know, sometimes we set them. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, if, if your listeners are in the LA area, I mean, they're, they're familiar with this. Um, 
there's just so so many new so much new nutrition information out there and there's so many things that that people are getting exposed to um i i really do think that you know this like a collaboration between between this uh is, is kind of going to be the way of the future and i mean I, when we spoke last week i was kind of telling you about we have these performance chefs now mm-hmm. um at, at some institutions who are these people who are trained in you know on the culinary side and they're trained on the the nutrition science side gotcha. and gotcha. that's that's amazing to me like that that's that's like a match made in heaven um you know um so i i i think that um you know, I, I just think that that can really help out a lot of people. I think so too, but that's why I think having you on is a match made in heaven for me because a chef with the, with the dietitian, the, you know, performance dietitian is, it's amazing. So with that, uh, I just want to say thank you for, for coming on today, Casey. You're, it's amazing how much information you have, but I want to thank you and hope you come back on again in the future soon. No, it was a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Um, I'll, I'm definitely open to coming back if you, if, people are interested in hearing nutrition science stuff. <laughs> Appreciate that. And they will be. Thanks so much, Casey. Have a great rest of your evening. You too. Okay. Take, Take care. care. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram. And remember, we are available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on your social accounts. If you have any favorite topics or special guest requests, please let us know. You can find our contact information in the show notes and be sure to like, comment, and share the show with your friends. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.